Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good? All right. Hey, if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Joshua chapter 3. Um, and I'm going to warn you, give you a little bit of a heads up, because we're going to cover a lot of text uh, today. So you're going to be turning your Bibles a lot. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen up to a point. We're not going to have every bit of it on. But Joshua chapter 3, and here's how I'm going to do it today. Instead of reading all of the text at once, because we would be here quite a bit, we're going to reference the text as we come to these certain points when we're going to dig into what we want to get into. So Joshua chapter 3, starting in verse 1, I want to give you a, an idea of what's gone on. We've been starting or we've been going through the sermon series called Unstuck. And in the past, what we looked at was what God was doing in the lives of his people, what God was doing in the Israelites as he was delivering them in. And we said, hey, we want to be unstuck. We want to move toward maturity from monotony to more toward maturity. And what we see throughout the lives of the people of Israel is that most of them, most of us, oftentimes walk to monotony. Monotony is easy, right? Right? The same old, same old. We begin to take things for granted. We begin to overlook things, or we begin to just kind of go, hey, I'm just going through the motions. And I believe that as Christians, as followers of Christ, that we can oftentimes come into that circumstance or, or those situations in life where we allow the monotonous to kind of just rule in our life. Right? Like anybody there, like you're just like, I just kind of, sometimes I just go through the motions. It, it might be in marriage, it may be in your spiritual walk, it may be all kinds of things that you go through, but you would just say, yeah, there's times in my life where I definitely walk in monotony, like it's easy. And what I want to do is as we're digging into scripture, we want to ask these questions like, how do I begin to move toward maturity? Because that's in reality what God has called us to. So Joshua chapter 3, I'll give you a little precursor about what's going on. God has led the people of Israel out of Egypt with Moses. He had, uh, he, and he had served the nation well for over 80 years. But it's important also to know that for 40 years, Moses has led these people through the wilderness because they're complaining, because they're groaning, because they're sinning. And he had a major responsibility, but in reality, all of their needs were met. And Moses spent a lot of time praying for complaining people. Anybody ever say, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, right? Like my kids complain all the time, are you? right? You know, but Moses is praying for the people of Israel to consistently pursue God and to walk in obedience. And now we get to this point where his faithful servant, Joshua, the son of Nun, who was selected to be a successor, we look at that in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and 34, for 40 years, he served under Moses as Moses' like military general, and he was providing safety and protection for the people. But if you'll remember the story of Joshua and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb were the two of the 12 spies that were sent in to the land that, remember, God promised he was given to his people. There are two of the 12 who were sent into the land to scope it out, to see what was going on, and they're the only two that came back and said, hey, let's do it. God promised it. God said it. That, that settles it. So let's do it. The other 10, if you remember the story, went around to all the people of Israel creating a bad report, right? Like they were the news media of the day. 
right? You know what I'm talking about, right? You can't watch news and be encouraged. It's just discouraging, right? They're, they're giving the bad report. Look at all the bad things going on. Listen, I know there's a lot of bad things going on, but there's a lot of good things as well going on. So Joshua, listen, Joshua was a man of action. We began to look at that last week where we talked about what it means to move forward with great courage, And so Joshua is a man of action, yet listen, he had no idea where they were going, how they were going to get there, he just knew that they were heading into the promised land. But he was God's choice to lead Israel into the promised land. So if you have your Bibles, Joshua chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1, we're going to read through verse 4. Listen to what he says. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all of the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out, say move out, move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But listen to what he says. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Here's what I want to talk about today, and here's the key theme. If you remember anything else, I want you to remember this. This is the the main point. Following God's presence by faith leads us into the life God has for us. Following the presence of God by faith leads me into the life that God has for me. Now, we have to begin to look at what Scripture tells us when we talk about this idea of what it means to follow the presence of the Lord by faith. Because when I am a believer, or as a result of my faith in Jesus, when I follow him day in and day out, then God is going to lead me into the life he has for me including the ministry, including the the joys, including the sorrows, including the pain and the difficulties. When I follow God's presence by faith, he will lead me into the life he has for me. So it's important for us to know this. Listen, faith is not believing in spite of the evidence, right? Like a lot of people go, well, faith is blind faith. It's believing in spite of the evidence. No, that's not true at all. Faith is obeying in spite of the consequences. In other words, we look at the things and go, oh my gosh, this could be really bad. But by faith, God said it, so I'm going to do it. See, the, 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 the struggle with most people in our lives nowadays is this. We say faith is believing in spite of the difficulties or in spite of the evidence when the reality is faith is believing in spite of the consequences. So what we look at or what we see is this, that there are consequences as believers when we walk by faith in obedience to God's word. Here's the consequence or here's some of the consequences. You're not going to be accepted by everybody else. That God's word is going to pierce and separate. It's going to correct and train. It's going to rebuke me in ways that, that show exactly what's going on. And so when we see this, that when we walk by faith, despite the consequences, that we understand the importance of walking by faith and obeying God in every circumstance. See, here's the struggle, I believe, in most Christians or in, in Christians' lives today. We know what God's word says, and maybe you do, maybe you don't, maybe some of you don't, 
But we know what God's word says, but when it comes down to taking God's word and putting it into action or living by faith and saying, yeah, I completely agree, we don't like that part because it's, it's going to kind of rub me the wrong way. It's going to call me to correction. It's going to call me to rebuke. It's going to call me to repent. And so Joshua comes at this great obstacle that's in front of them with action. Joshua's an action man. All throughout the book of Joshua, you're going to see this. And Joshua is probably one of my favorite Old Testament books, as my wife and I were talking earlier this, uh, this week. I love Joshua, but you'd have to understand my personality. Like, I love military history. I love war history. I love studying those types of things. I love reading about battles and conquests and things like that. So Joshua for me is like, oh yeah, right? Like that's not my alley. That's like a Saving Private Ryan or We Were Soldiers type. If we could put this into a movie perspective and everybody's like, oh yeah, like every guy at least is like, oh heck yeah, I know what you're talking about. And all the ladies are like, oh serious? Like I like Esther, right? Like my wife. What's your favorite? Esther. I'm like, course, right? It's about love and conquest to a certain extent. So there's the, the chick flick, right? Okay. Guys, Joshua, we're all man, manly stuff. Ladies, Esther. Okay. <laughs> so we're, we're seeing it played out. But listen, Abraham believed God by believing God or by, by faith. Abraham believed God by faith. And listen, God motivated him to leave Ur and to travel where God led him to. And it's important for us to understand that faith is always accompanied by actions. Otherwise, it's what? Dead. That faith is always accompanied by actions. Otherwise, it's dead. That's James chapter 2. Faith without works or without action is useless. It's void. It's dead. Right? It's not that you're saved by works. It's that you're saved by faith. And as a result of my faith, I then put into action my faith, which leads to good works. So it's not a salvation based upon works. It's a salvation based upon faith. So here's the big question I ask for today's text. If we're following God's presence by faith and that leads us into the life God's has for us, how do I get unstuck in my faith? It's important for us to keep into context what's going on here. The people of Israel for the last 40 years have wandered and wandered and wandered as a result of sin and disobedience. There is now a point in time where Moses and all of that generation who decided to listen to those 10 spies have died off, and God raises up Joshua, and as Joshua is beginning to lead, remember this man of action is beginning to lead the people of Israel into the promised land, into the future that God planned for him or told him that he had promised for him 40 years ago. Joshua begins to prepare the people to walk out. And listen, they're going to have to walk out by faith. Because the obstacles before them are going to seem massive. They're going to seem huge. And here's what's crazy. At the very beginning, we see one of the biggest obstacles they're going to have in front of them. And there's a beautiful picture that we're going to unpack here as we begin to look back at the Red Sea. And then as we look forward to the promise of Jesus and the salvation on the cross. Joshua is this picture of moving forward by faith. And so how do I get unstuck in my faith? Number one is this, when God's presence moves, I follow. When the presence of God moves, I am called to follow him. Now, a lot of you might sit back and go, 
that's great. What are you talking about the presence of God? Like, like I had presence last night. It's called gas. Like, I ate a bad pizza. I don't know. But when God moves, how do I understand the presence of God? How do I begin to see how he's working? How do I know when the presence of God is leading me in a certain direction? And we're going to unpack that a little bit further. But listen, when God's presence moves, we follow. Listen to what happens in verse 2 and 3. It says, after three days. So here's what's going on. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan River. So if you know anything about the, the, the geography in the Middle East. You have the Sea of Galilee to the north, okay? You have the Jordan River that flows out of the Sea of Galilee that's full of life and abundance and fish and everything else. And you have this river that flows down. It's called the Jordan River. And the Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea. Well, the Dead Sea has no exit. So everything goes there and what? It dies, right? But in between, life and death is a river, And this river right now, as the people of Israel are marching out, they're on the eastern side of the Jordan River, as they're marching out toward the Jordan River is at flood stage. Now, as easy I can tell, based upon what we know right now, there are parts of the Jordan River in today's current timing and stuff that are very narrow. That's not the case back then. Now, a lot of that came because of the way agriculture and and farming and big cities growing up and the way they've, 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 they've... you know, connected to and withdrawn water from the Jordan River. But the Jordan River at this point in time is at flood stage. Now, all I can think about was a couple years ago when the Missouri began to spill over and I went out here to Sibley and all these places when there was a church out in Sibley, Missouri, just east here of Independence, that the water was eight feet up on their walls. And so you kind of picture the Missouri River, right? And these people are called to cross the Jordan River from the wilderness into the promised land that God's going to give them. And along the way, listen, in the promised land area, they're going to face battles. They're going to face discouragements. They're going to face obstacles. They're going to face powerful people. But before they even get to those, they got to face the Jordan River. And so here's what happens. When it talks about this idea of when God's presence moves, we follow, then we have to understand that these people are moving, and Joshua's moving the people in a new direction, and he leads with faith, and the days of passivity over. See, for the last 40 years, the Israelite people have been very passive, and now they're going to become very active. Their faith is going to have to be very active in their daily lives. Listen to verse 3. It says, He's giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to what? Move out. That carries the idea that when God's presence moves, we follow. So listen, many people choose to live in this valley of indecision in our lives when the reality is that indecision is a decision in the first place. Many people will approach the Jordan River and there's the choice between life and death and will choose indecision saying, well, I'm just not going to choose. Great. That decision right there was a decision to choose to say, I'm not going to pursue life. I'm not going to walk by faith. I'm not going to pursue the presence of God. I'm not going to follow the presence of God. I'm going to sit back here and I'm going to do things my way and I'm going to hold on to everything and you're going to be okay with it because that's my decision. But when you make that decision, what you're choosing to say is, I'm not going to follow the presence of God. 
And what God wants to do is to take the people of Israel into this promised land that's full of milk and honey and large areas of, 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 of produce that are going to provide for them and benefits and blessings. And the reality is it's, it's easier not to decide. Listen, unless you're willing to cross over the Jordan, unless you're willing to walk by faith and pursue and move with the presence of God, listen to this. You will never be who God has called you to be, and you will never experience the blessings and the possessions that God desires for you if you choose to remain indecisive. It's never going to be that way. What God is calling the people of Israel to here is to follow his presence. See, God offers salvation, and salvation is open to any and all who would make Jesus their choice. But listen, ignoring Jesus is the choice that many are willing to do. And so you're choosing to stay on the side of the Jordan instead of walking with the presence of the Lord into the promised hope that he has for you in the future. See, when God's presence moves, we're to follow. And so he says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, you're to move out from your position and what? Follow it. So I follow the presence of the Lord in every circumstance, in every situation. See, crossing the Jordan in reality is a type of leaving the old life and walking into a new life. It's the same picture we see played out when the Israelite people who left Egypt are led out by Moses, right, to the what? The Red Sea. And here's what's crazy. In the Red Sea, Moses takes the staff and he places it in the water and the waters parted and the ground they crossed over was what? Dry. And now we come to this picture. 40 years of disobedience, or as a result of disobedience, for 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the people are now going to cross the Jordan at flood stage, a Red Sea moment, if you want to call it, and all they're called to do is to what? Follow the presence of the Lord. Now you say, well, how are you getting that from this text? Because it's saying to follow the ark. The ark if you know anything about the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of the Lord. Matter of fact, it's a box. It was about two and a half cubits by one and a half and one and a half cubits. It was made out of acacia wood. It was covered in gold. On the top of the Ark, the, the cover of it was what we call the mercy seat. And it had two cherubim that faced outward and the wings faced inward. And that was technically what they classified as the mercy seat or the dwelling place of God. And if you know anything about what went on in the wilderness, that in the wilderness, God moved by day as a pillar of smoke and by night as a pillar of what? Fire. That was his dwelling or leading with the people. But then as you see, we get to Joshua, when the ark led, then the people of, of Israel were obedient. When the presence of the Lord went forward, then the people of, the Israel, of Israel were successful. And so when we understand that when God's presence moves, we follow. So here's this ark. The ark represents that. Inside the ark was, uh, according to Hebrews, the, there was the manna, there was the staff of Moses, as well as the, the Ten Commandments. But that ark represented the presence of the Lord. And if you know anything about what went on in that time frame, we had this place called the tabernacle. And the tabernacle, inside the tabernacle, you had the altar. The altar was where they would sacrifice the animals. But then behind the altar, they had this place called the holy place. And then inside the holy place, they had the holy of holies. 
And the Holy of Holies is where the holy or the, the high priest only went once a year because that's where the ark was. And there was always this forgiveness aspect that had to take place. The high priest always had a rope tied to his ankle because if there was any sin within him or within the nation of Israel, the high priest may be struck down because he was in the presence of God. And so they always had that attached there because anybody else who would go in there other than the high priest would be struck down. But what the people of Israel are told is this, that when the presence of the Lord, the ark, moves as a result of the Levites picking them up and carrying it, then you are to what? Follow it. And so here's the picture. How do I get unstuck in my faith? Then I have to understand or I have to follow God's presence. That is one of the most important things for us to apply to our life in order to get unstuck from our faith is that I follow the presence of the Lord in all circumstances, that I walk in obedience to him. See, only God can lead his people across this great river. Only God can do the work that they're going to need in a supernatural way to lead them into the promised land. Only God is the one who is going to do it. So it says, carry it out, you move it out from your position and you follow it. Then, verse four, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Here's what's crazy about this. Faith leads to direction. In other words, God says, I'm not necessarily telling you the direction you're gonna go until you walk out by faith. Remember, faith is understanding that there are consequences that are ahead, but continuing in disobedience. It's not worried about what's going on. Faith says, I believe that God said this. I'm going to walk by faith, and he'll point me in the direction when I get there. So here's what he's saying to the people of Israel. You don't know where you're going yet. But when you follow the presence of the Lord, then will I tell you where you're going to go and what you're going to do. See, we like it the other way, right? Like, especially high schoolers, college-age students, like, we like, God, give me a sign, right? Like, like hit me with the two-by-four. Um, do something that's going to make sense to me so I can see it. And God says, no, you walk by faith. You follow me day in and day out, and then, then I'm going to point you in the direction I want you to go. Is that not one of the hardest things? I mean, let's, let's be real. That to me is one of the hardest things about following God because we like control. Listen, control freak number one, okay? I'm gonna admit it. I like control. And when I don't get control, I got one of two options. Usually it's fear, but for me, fear leads to anger, right? I can't control it. So now I'm mad. And we all know what happens in the Old Testament when the people get mad, right? They voted to go back. Hey, I'll go back. God, I'm good with going back. I'm, I'm mad. I don't like this. I don't have control. But listen, in order to get unstuck in my faith, I have to walk and move when God's presence moves with obedience. See, they had been following this cloud of smoke by day, this pillar of fire by night, and now they're called to follow the ark. And listen to what he says. Verse 4, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But now, here's the big kicker. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. 
And I want to jump into verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. When we ask this question, how do I get unstuck in my faith? We always want to follow the presence of God by faith. We want to move when God's presence moves. There's this old adage of, of, of experiencing God in Henry Blackaby where he says, what, all you got to do to find God is see where God's working and join him, right? That's the idea of when God's presence moves, we follow. But number two, how do I get unstuck in my faith? It's this idea of sanctifying ourselves. Listen to what he says. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Here's that played out in a greater way. See, God desires a relationship with his people, but it's important for us to remember the holiness of God. Listen to what he says in verse four. He told them, first of all, keep a distance. There is a strong relational tie there, but we have to understand that holiness is primary. That is utmost in our relationship with God. God doesn't care how much you know about him if you're gonna walk in disobedience and sin. Because all you're doing is setting yourself up for failure because when you try or attempt to pursue the presence of God, he's going to bring the consequences upon you. See, a lot of us like to walk through life and go, there's no consequence. I'll deal with the consequences. The consequences are here. Like we look and go, well, there's earthly consequences, but there are heavenly consequences that are going to take place. And if you want to follow the presence of the Lord, if you want to know why, what, why do I get stuck in my faith why do I not follow God daily following his presence? I would venture to say that if most of us were real, that we would say the reason why we struggle with this whole idea of consecrating ourselves and understanding the holiness of God is because we like our sin a lot more than we're willing to admit. I'd rather hold on to it because I can keep it hidden from you, Brian, but we'd rather hold on to it and walk in disobedience and disrespect and sinfulness against our Savior, rather than turn it over and say, hey, listen, God, I know I've, I've failed. I know I've struggled. I know it's difficult. And please hear me out when I say this. I know it's difficult to deal with our sin. But the only way you overcome the sin that so easily entangles you is through the power of Jesus in your life day in and day out. In other words, pursuing the presence of God daily. He says, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. You know, I've had a lot of people say things like this. Well, I just don't ever see God work. I don't ever see his, his release. I'd never see his action. I don't see him coming and doing great things in my life. And listen, sometimes we expect a lot more when it's the little things that God's doing daily in your life. That gets you to where you are, where you're supposed to be. But I'd also venture to say that a lot of times we don't experience God completely because this idea of consecration or sanctification, we don't take seriously. Like if we were, I, 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 maybe I'm going a little old school here, but when, when in the past we have said, hey, we're opening the altar for times of prayer, for repentance and reflection, to, to confess to God what's going on. I can count, I mean, and not, it's not just here, these other churches, I can think of multiple times where nobody has come forward. Now, please hear me out. Probably a bad example. 
But at the same time, I would venture to say that most of us come in even on Sunday mornings in a monotonous way, callously, rather than with great respect, great reverence, prayed up and ready for God to do something amazing in your life. We come overwhelmed and overburdened rather than ready and prepared. Listen to what he says. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. This idea of consecrate or sanctify is this idea of seeing God work in our lives. It was a ritual cleansing where they would literally go and clean themselves and change their clothes. And I want to reference real quick Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 20. It says, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him, and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. And he says this in verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. In other words, take off the old clothes which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, the new clothes, the new creation created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So here is the big picture. Here is the idea. A lot of us may take this casual, careless intimacy with God to another extreme rather than approaching him with respect and reverence. An understanding of God, you are holy. You are righteous. You are just. And I am ready to see you do amazing things because I have revealed my sinfulness to you. Listen, holiness is important. And I believe that the reason why many of us don't know which way to go is because we don't follow God consistently and constantly by consecrating ourselves. How do I get unstuck in my faith? Number three is this. I believe that we have to listen to and love the word of God. Listen to what he says. I'm going to kind of read through. We're going to read most of this. Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel so that you may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. So get what's going on. This river is at flood stage. The Ark is going to move forward. The presence of God is going, right? And the minute that the priest's feet hit the waters, what's the waters going to do? They're going to start to part. So it says, Joshua said, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now, as a priest, I'm kind of thinking, wait a second here. He didn't say anything about it parting yet. You're asking me to take the presence of the ark into the river, and I'm going to stand in the river. Yep. So Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you all of these people groups that you see there. The ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in Jordan, now, here's the promise, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Here's what plays out with this. 
God first gives the directions that I want you to go and stand in the river. And there's no answer necessarily that the waters are going to part. I'm sure the people are thinking, God's got to do something. Like if you could think of like the Missouri River or even the largest river, you might even be able to think about that flood stage and you're going to walk up to the edge. Think about the overwhelming expectation of the Israelite people. They're looking across a river that is massive. It's flowing at flood stage, which means it's flowing fairly fast and it's very expansive. There's a large expanse that's in front of them. And then God tells them that the minute the feet of the priests hit the water, it's going to be stopped. It's going to be stood up. Listen, when I say this idea of listening and loving the Word of God, the reason I say that is, listen to what he says, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And then he says, this is how you will know the living God is among you. God wants to, in each and every circumstance and situation that you're in in life, to work in your life to deliver you through the Jordan River, those difficult circumstances, those those trying times that you may face. But the question is, are you going to follow his presence and are you going to listen to and love his word? Because he says, here is how you're going to know that the living God is among you. He's going to deliver you from all of these people. He's going to deliver you from all of those obstacles that are in front of you. He is going to lead the way. See, when they follow the presence of God, they will see his deliverance across the Jordan, and this is how they're going to know that God is with them. So it begins by faith, just with a footstep in the river, and it's going to continue on by faith as they challenge the powerful people in front of them. So how do I get unstuck in my faith? Number one, I said we got to move with the presence of God, right? We follow. When God's presence moves, we follow. Number two, we consecrate ourselves. Number three, we listen and love the word of God. Here's number four. We obey God in the details. Now here's where I'm going to read for just a little bit. I want to unpack some of this. God leads his people with supernatural power and ability into the river. And it says in verse 14, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that's the Salt Sea or Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on what? Dry ground. I want you to think about that. They stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry ground. Now, let's talk about a miracle, okay? Anytime I've had a little bit of flood or or water puddles in my yard, we're talking days upon days of drying that sucker out. You know what I'm talking about. But you're at a river at flood stage, and the priests step into the water. The water starts to stand up, and it says not only did the priests pass on dry ground, but it says all the people. Now, there's a rough estimate between two and three million people at this point crossing over the Jordan River into or near Jericho. And you're like, what are you talking about obeying God in the details? They followed the priests. They followed what God said according to his word. 
The word was revealed to Joshua. Joshua spoke it to Israel. And then here's the details that begin to take place. Chapter 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan. Now, two and a half, three million people have crossed the Jordan. The Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people. One from each tribe. Sound familiar? We got 12 men now. We went out to the promised land originally, came back. Ten said, no way. Now he has 12 men, one from each tribe, and they're going to go back. Tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together 12 men. He appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark. So he's going to go back. They're all going back to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. And each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of Israelites. Now here's why to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? You tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones are a memorial or an altar to the people of Israel forever. Here's what takes place. When we talk about obeying God in the details, they followed God to every detail that God gave. And you might be, that's great. That's the people of Israel. And my question is, do you follow God in the details? Because details matter. See, a lot of us like to go, man, God, I followed you in the 89% or the 99%, but it's that 1%. It's the detail that we forget about. It's the detail that God says, I want you to do. And if we don't do it, we're walking in disobedience. See, here's what ends up happening. They go and they get these 12 stones and they carry them back with them. And there's a reason why they carry them back. Why do they carry them back? So there's an altar or a memorial for them to remember. All you got to do is look around. I mean, let's go out to World War I Memorial, right? What is that a memorial for? To remember what went on during that war and the people and the sacrifice and what goes on. This memorial, they come out and they set up, this altar they set up is to remind the people of where they were and where they are and how God led them miraculously across and delivered them from that. Now listen, let me play this out one step further. When we obey God in details, we have to understand Jesus is the same way. Jesus is the exact representation of God. He is God. He is the ark. He is the one that leads the people us across the Jordan, the obstacle of sin and death and destruction into the promised life. And what we do and what we see is this, that we've got an altar or a memorial on the cross because Jesus' death on the cross is the very thing where we can check all of our baggage, all of our sins, all of our struggles. And so Christ takes us from dead across an impossible pass to life in Christ. And that altar Just as that altar there was set up so the people would remember the deliverance of God from death to life, the cross is that exact representation, that memorial that we remember of the passing of God's people from death to life as a result of the sacrifice of Jesus. And here's number five, when we talk about how do I get unstuck from my faith. Number five, remember to tell others about God's deliverance. That's exactly why that memorial was set up. 
That is why we talk about the cross of Christ. That is why we talk about a sacrifice for our sins. But we remember this, that while we can remember that memorial of Jesus' death on the cross, that he does not stay there. We tell the people about God's deliverance. Look at chapter 4. Verse 21, he said to the Israelites in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? You tell them that Israel crossed on dry ground. But then listen to verse 24. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth, hear me out when I say this. He did this. He delivers the Israelite people so that all the peoples of the earth, not just the Israelites, all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. You see what plays out in faith? When you walk in obedience, when you confess your sins, when you acknowledge Jesus as Savior, you're delivered from death across a, a, a crazy, chaotic storm of Jordan River on dry ground into life in Christ. And what we're called to do is to remember and tell others about his deliverance. Listen, all the peoples of the earth might know the hand of the Lord is powerful and that you might walk in fear of the Lord. How do I get unstuck by faith or in my faith? I have to follow God's presence by faith that's going to lead me into the life he has for me. And that life is a life that remembers the sacrifice of cross and tells others about him. Let's pray. Jesus, you are our deliverer. You are our hope. And God, we know that this may just be a simple picture of your deliverance, that we can look at it and we can think about how awesome it is that the Israelites were able to cross on dry ground across the Jordan River. But God, may we keep in mind your presence, your goodness, your hope, and that God, would you give us the faith to follow you, to follow your presence wherever it leads. Father, today there may be somebody who has never made a commitment, never followed Jesus. And today, they need to nail that down, to take that step of faith, to follow the presence of the Lord, because when the Levites, the priests, hit that water, that water was parted. And Jesus is our high priest. And Jesus is the one who paid the price so that we could cross on dry ground into the promised future that you have for us. God, we pray that you would move as only you can move. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.